0: Welcome to our sixth class, Grounded in the Gospel, where we're learning and memorizing the New City Catechism. Today, we're going to review question five, and then we'll learn question six together. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Our Father in heaven, thank you for these anchor points during our week where we can come together and open your word together Read and study your word together. Think about your truth together. To do hopefully what we're doing throughout the week on our own and with our families, but now together as a church. We know that this honors you. So, would you come now by your Holy Spirit and help us to not only understand these truths, but to believe them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, let's review. Question one What is our only hope in life and death? Question two What is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory. Wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through Him and by His will. Question three. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Great Question four. How and why did God create us? God created us, male and female, in His own image to know Him, love Him, live with Him, and glorify Him. And it is right, that we who were created by God should live to His glory. So that brings us to question five. Hopefully you thought about this. and No. Yeah, that was this last week, right? Hopefully you thought about this and memorized this this last week. Let's say it once together and then we'll see if any of the kids would like to say it. Question five. What else did God create? God created all things by His powerful Word. And all His creation was very good. Everything flourished under His loving rule. Okay, let's say it together. What else did God create? God created all things by His powerful Word. And all His creation was very good. Everything flourished under His loving rule. Great. Okay, let's look to question number six. This is the one that we're going to set our attention to this week and try and memorize. Question six is, how can we glorify God? And let's read it and say it together. We glorify God by enjoying Him loving Him, trusting Him, and by obeying His will, commands, and law. For the kids, they can memorize, we glorify God, I'm sorry, by loving Him and by obeying His commands and law. So let's think about this. How can we glorify God? And we're being told... That we glorify God by enjoying Him and loving Him and trusting Him and by obeying His will, commands, and law. So remember question four. Two questions ago, we learned that we are here to glorify God. So question six is a follow-up to question four. We've already learned and know that you and I are here to glorify God. And so the question this answers is, how do I do that? What does that look like in my daily life? How? What does it mean to glorify God? So here's what it means. It means to shine a light on God. It means to bring attention to God. It means to make much of God. It means to reflect the goodness and greatness of God. The goal for our lives is that people would know you and see you and hear you and they would say, God is great. That's the goal. And so I'm glorifying God if people see my life and hear the words I say and see the things I do and that... Causes them to say, God is great and God is good. So that's the goal. That's what it means. John the Baptist said, uh, I must decrease and he must increase. I, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want God to be in the spotlight. The psalmist said, not to us, O God, but to your name be the glory. I don't want the attention. I want God to have the attention. Matthew 5 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. There's a story about that illustrates this about a group of evangelicals in the 19th century from America. And they went to London to hear someone who was considered the greatest preacher at the time by many. Do you know who that was? No, actually. No, Joseph Parker. Not a lot of people know who Joseph Parker is, but Joseph Parker was considered to be, he was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon. He had a church, I think just about as big as Charles Spurgeon, maybe bigger, and many people considered him to be the most eloquent and greatest preacher in the entire world. So a group of evangelicals, they they went to London and they went to hear Joseph Parker preach. And when they left, the story goes that when they left that Sunday morning service, they said amongst themselves this, let it be said that in all the world, there is no greater preacher than Joseph Parker. they were very, very impressed with his preaching. So he, he fulfilled all of their, um, all of their um, dreams, I guess, of what the preaching was going to be on that morning. So he said, let it be said that there is no greater preacher in all the world than Joseph Parker. But they knew that that they needed to also go and hear Charles Spurgeon preach. They didn't think it was necessary at that point, because how could anybody be a better preacher than Joseph Parker, the sermon that they just heard? But they knew people would ask them, well, what about Spurgeon? And, you know, how would you compare them? So they went and heard Charles Spurgeon preach. Now, after they heard Charles Spurgeon preach, When they left that service, they said among themselves, let it be said that in all the world, there is no greater savior than Jesus of Nazareth. So that was that's that's the difference. So not to us, but to your name be the glory. A good sermon. If it glorifies God, doesn't leave you thinking, what a great preacher. A good sermon, if it glorifies God, leaves you thinking, what a great Savior. So let me give you a couple definitions that might be helpful here. Um, I've been most helped by these definitions of glory and then glorify from John Piper. Those of you who know Pastor John Piper, he has spent so much of his life and so much of his study thinking about uh, this teaching in the Bible. What it means to glorify God. And what is the glory of God. So he's a, a bit, I would say, of an authority, modern. So he says this. Here's a definition of glory. And then I'll give you his definition of glorify. Because right, those aren't words we use a lot. We use them in, in terms of our relationship with and from God. But otherwise, these aren't terms that are common in our day. So here's glory. The public display of the infinite beauty and worth of God. Is what I mean by glory. And I base that partly on Isaiah 6. Where the seraphim, the angels say. Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his. And you would expect them to say holiness. And they say glory. They are ascribing Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His. And when that holiness goes public in the earth and fills it, you call it glory. So God's glory is the radiance of His holiness. The radiance of His manifold, infinitely worthy and valuable perfections. God's glory is his godness on display. You can see it. You can hear it. You can taste it. You can feel it. It's on display. So what does it mean to glorify? That's what God's glory is. What does it mean to glorify? Here's what Piper says. Glorifying means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect His greatness, that make much of God, that give evidence of the supreme greatness of all His attributes and the all-satisfying beauty of His manifold perfections. So making much of God. Turning the spotlight to God. Bringing the attention to God. And we want to live in such a way that we do that. We want to live in such a way that God is glorified. So that's glorifying God. This is very helpful. This gets even more specific, doesn't it? And of course, we could get even more practical than this. But how then do we make much of God? How then do we bring attention to God? How do we take the spotlight from us and put it on God? And we're given four answers here. By enjoying God. By loving God. By trusting God. And by obeying God's will, commands, and law. In other words, the totality of what God has called us as Christians do. So we glorify God when we enjoy Him. We glorify God when we love Him. We glorify God when we trust Him. And we glorify God when we obey Him. Deuteronomy 11.1. 1, you shall therefore love the lord your God and keep his charge his statutes his rules and his commandments always I don't know if you read um, let me read you now from Brian chapel this was the commentary that's supplied in the along with this question in the new city catechism so here's what Brian chapel I think he's he was the president of Covenant Theological Seminary. I don't think he is anymore, but pastor, theologian. So here's what he says about this question. Just, just, just listen. How can we glorify God? We can do as He said, and we can believe what He said. We can do what He said, and we can believe what He said. If we truly want to honor the Savior, we do as He said. But that means not just obeying Him because He's going to get us. It's not really that. It's understanding how great is His love for us that we, in love for Him, want to walk with Him. And that understanding means that we begin by saying, I understand that He has loved me so much that my heart is responding in love for Him. Now, as I do that, I'm not now honoring God with a sense of, oh no, He's going to get me if I don't. That would mean I might obey Him, but I would not enjoy Him. No. True love for God means I delight in His law. I understand that what God has given me when He says walk with me is a safe and good path In life. So you've. Heard it said this way. We we don't obey God. To get him to love us. We obey God because. He has loved us. So the motivation of our obedience. Is not to avoid getting something bad from God. Or in order to get something good from God the motive of our obedience is gratitude it's gratitude now parents those of you who uh, those of you who have kids well if you're a parent <laughs> parents you understand this and kids listen you understand this because there's a big difference between when your kids are obeying you because they love you and respect you and they're obeying you just cuz they feel like they have to So when they obey you cheerfully, that is very different than obeying you begrudgingly. And really, kids, your mom and dad really aren't honored when you obey them begrudgingly. Like if you're kicking and grumbling and complaining and you're not doing it cheerfully and you're doing it slowly. If you think to yourself, well, at least I obeyed you. Well, I guess. But there's no honor in that. Your mom and dad are not honored in that. Now, when you do it cheerfully, when you obey and you obey because you love your mom and dad. You trust your mom and dad. You know your mom and dad are thinking about what is best for you. So even if you don't want to do the thing they ask you to do, which will happen about 80% of the time. Even when you don't want to do that thing that they want you to do, you do it because you love them and you trust them. Now, when you do that, you honor your mom and dad. So think about this. It is really no different in your relationship with God. Our obedience to God, it's a get to. It's not a have to. And you've known Christians or you've been the Christian or you've been in the churches where everyone is sort of, we use terms like legalistic, when everyone is doing all the, the right things and obeying all the rules, but they just look depressed and angry all the time. There's There's no joy. So that's not what God is talking about. That's not who David was, for example, who says things over and over again like, I delight in your law. I love your law. I love it. I love you. I love what you've done for me. And I want to please you. And I want to live for you. So give me law. Give me commands. Give me instruction. Give me calling. Tell me how to live. I want to please you. That comes from a heart of gratitude. That comes from a heart of gratitude. This is one of the ways, incidentally, that you really pick up on whether or not someone is a Christian. They don't just play the part. They don't just do the right things. At the end of the day, there has to be a heart for God. A heart for God. O'Brien Chapel goes on. That's really what the commandments of God are about. They are explaining, as He shows us His character and care, that He's given us this safe path for life. If you get off the path, there are consequences, of course, because this is a safe and good path. But we are not staying on that path because we think somehow we are earning His affection. Rather, we understand, as He showed us through Christ and particularly the Lord's sacrifice for us, how great is His love for us. When we understand that the law or the commandments are echoing the character of God and his care for us, then we delight to walk in that path because it lets us experience the goodness of our God. In other words, God's God's commands, his rules are not arbitrary, He's not just messing with us. I'm just going to give you some really difficult and painful things to do just to see if you really love me. His commands, his will, his law are good for you. They're good for your family. They're good for your church. They're good for your society. They are the path of life. And as we obey God, we find that even those things that we don't want to do or even those things that we don't think we should do and don't make sense to us and even those things that we think, if I do that, it's not going to go well for me. In the end, what do we discover? It goes well. Ultimately, it always goes well. Because God's ways and God's will is good. Now, kids, it's the same thing with your parents, isn't it? This is what Ephesians 6 says. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your mom and dad. And it gives you another reason. Honor your mom and dad that what? It may go well. You disobey mom and dad. You dishonor mom and dad. It doesn't go well. You disobey God, you dishonor God, it doesn't go well. You obey God and honor God, it goes well. You obey your parents and honor your parents, generally, it goes well. So many times, here's his last little paragraph, so many times people think they're glorifying God because they're just kind of bowing their necks and doing the awful thing they hate because otherwise God is going to hurt them. Or sometimes they do the things that they think God wants them to do so that He'll give them more good stuff. But those Both those kinds of sanctified selfishness. I'm doing this so that I will protect myself or promote myself. Are not really love for God. When we understand that God gave his son for me. That he's shown me his character and his care. Then I understand that loving him and enjoying him means. That I will delight to walk on that. Which provides the good and safe path for my life. So isn't that how you want to mature as a Christian? You want to obey God. The same thing we tell our kids. You want to obey God cheerfully. You want to delight in His law. Delight in His commands. And delight in His will. When we do that, when we do that and obey God, not just begrudgingly, then He is glorified. Because it's out of love for Him. And we're enjoying Him. So let's say it one more time. Or two more times together. And we can read it since we're new to it. And then I'll close in prayer. Question number six. How can we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and by obeying His will, commands, and law. Okay, one more time. Question six. How can we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and by obeying His will, commands, and law. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, thank You for creating us and creating us in Your image and creating us to know You, to love You, to live with You, To glorify you. God help us. To glorify you. God help us in our obedience. That as we come to know more of your word. And know more of your will. For our lives that. We would. Obey you wholeheartedly. That we would obey you from a heart of love. And gratitude. And joy. God, help us. Give us more faith. Help us to trust You. When things are going well from our perspective, when things are not going well from our perspective, help us to trust You. Help us to lean not on our own understanding, but on You. Help us to rely on You. Help us not to look to ourselves, Help us not to look even to others before we look to You to supply every single one of our needs in Christ Jesus. And so we pray this in His name. Amen.